This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, and you're listening to Ambition Diaries. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. On this third episode of our four-part miniseries, Leaning In and Opting Out, Work and Family. Oh, like you're a mom. Like you should just be happy about this, all this work that you're doing. Like, doesn't it make you happy to change diapers all the time and deal with a crying baby that who's, you know, slobbers and snots all over you? Like, why aren't you happy about this? This is what you wanted. You got a kid. A decade ago, Anne-Marie Slaughter stirred controversy and garnered a book deal with her viral Atlantic Magazine article, Why Women Still Can't Have It All. In it, she detailed the impossible balancing act of a demanding work schedule combined with her desire to be present for her two kids. Her bottom line? Even with a supportive spouse, the deck is still stacked against women who want to climb the career ladder while also caring for children or aging parents. The next year, then-Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg published the now-infamous Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead. Sandberg's stance at the time was that in order to succeed, women needed to assert themselves like men and adapt to a male-dominated work culture. On managing the balance of work and family, Sandberg advised that for women, who you marry is the single most important career decision you make. Both women were writing for a small, privileged audience of professional women with the relative luxury of grappling with questions of ambition and the ability to lean in or opt out. For the majority of women, there is no question of having it all, and work-life balance isn't possible. It's a matter of survival. Even if you aren't a parent, you are likely aware of how difficult the bind is. The U.S. still lacks paid leave, and childcare costs more than college tuition in almost every state. And as we've covered on the show in the past, the pandemic hit the childcare industry particularly hard. Costs to parents have risen over 5%, and thousands of centers are still shut down, due in large part to staffing shortages because of the dismal pay for childcare workers. This has, of course, been a large part of the reason why so many women have been unable to return to the workforce. In this episode, we'll hear from several of the mothers and daughters in the series about how these impossible decisions played out in their homes and careers, from the cost of childcare limiting career options to delegating responsibilities to a babysitter, from grappling with questions of fulfillment and motherhood to approaching child rearing in more creative ways. And finally, how mothers navigate and model for their daughters what it's like to love their jobs, even when it means much less time at home. Vicky and her daughter, Christina, are from Lithonia, Georgia. We heard from them in the first episode of Ambition Diaries about Christina's struggle to buy a house as a teacher with student loan debt. Just like Christina, education was important to Vicky, but she was faced with a difficult decision when she started a family while pursuing her bachelor's degree. Vicky decided to leave college when she had Christina. I had to make a decision and make a choice. And for me, my choice was to be with my children because that was important to me. She did return to college not long after that, but left again. Her daughter, Christina, asks her if she had gone back a third time if she would continue the same major. I would like to study what I was studying then. What was it? It was nursing. Okay, so that's going to lead me into, with you being a great mom and raising multiple children at one time, what jobs did you have when we were younger? 
when when you were younger, a lot of times I was at home because of finances, the jobs, you know, that I was looking at, I had to look at childcare. So the pay that I would get in paying childcare, like say if it was three or four children, that was like $253 a week. So that would take all of my money. So I ended up just staying at home, but volunteering in the school, though, I stayed very active in the school. And it didn't matter whether it was elementary school, middle school, or high school. I totally believe in volunteering. And now that I have grandchildren, I believe in that also, to being very involved. Vicki did work on and off, including a stint as a secretary and as a school nurse. As she mentioned, it was important to Vicki to be involved in her children's schools. This had a lasting impression on Christina, who credits her mom's involvement as part of her inspiration to become a teacher. I know I found something I'm passionate about, and I know I give 100% in it. And besides being a mom and a wife and a grandmother, it was like, this is her thing. Mama likes to care. Mama is caring. Mama is love. Mama is serving. And it helped me see as a woman that we can multitask. And even watching you organize different events, the PTA meetings, leading those PTA meetings. And even when it got to a point when it bothered you, I think that's where it bothered me. I didn't want it to steal your joy. So maybe that's what maybe, it's crazy that I'm realizing this now as we speak. Maybe that's what bothered, I would say, if I can say this, that it bothered me to see you so overwhelmed with it, not in a negative way, but I didn't want it to steal your joy in being who you are and continuing to share that love, um, showing care, and building those relationships with the students, with the parents, with the teachers, and even the people in our community. That's something that made me step up my community involvement, and even just in reflecting my areas of growth and my strengths in life, I know I wanted to be more active in the community because of you. And I've watched you sacrifice your whole life for us. And I say us being the kids, daddy, and even the grandkids. Like, it's so much stuff that I've seen you do and heard you say that you want to do for yourself, that you push to the side for us um, just to make sure we got what we needed or what we wanted. And I love how you love. I love how you care. And most of all, I feel like I just love how you serve because when you hear some of the things, again, not from your mouth, from other people, some of the things that you've done, it just made me proud. Like, that's my mama. That's my mama. And even in hearing, I'll never forget when I first heard somebody say, Miss Jordan, and it wasn't you, it was me. But I was like, oh, my goodness, they talking about me, not mama. And I'm like, oh, that's such an honor to be called Miss Jordan because Miss Jordan was the school nurse. Miss Jordan is, that's Larry and uh, Corey mama. That's Tina mama. That's Christina mama. Like, Miss Jordan, that's my mom. For me as a mom, sometimes you do a lot of things and I don't want to be recognized for it, but I just like being involved and doing things. And so you hope that your children notice what you're doing and that you're appreciated for it. Yeah, because we get to see 
and we get to feel the impact. When you got strangers coming up to you that say, you look familiar, and I know they don't know me, and I say, oh, you just know my mom. Ambition takes a lot of different forms. For Vicky, her priority was always to be involved with her kids' lives directly, whether through her job as a school nurse or for volunteering. But there were conflicts between the desire to work and, in particular, the cost of childcare. The average cost of childcare today is nearly $11,000 a year in the U.S. When childcare shuttered during the pandemic, many women were forced to cut down their hours or leave their jobs entirely to take care of their children. Unpaid labor like childcare and housework has always been a disproportionate responsibility for mothers. Francesca and her mother, Demita, discussed the imbalance Demita faced when Francesca was a kid. We've heard from Francesca and Demita in previous episodes of Ambition Diaries. They are both from Miami and worked for much of their careers in HR before moving into more purpose-driven work. Francesca tells Demita how, even as a preteen, she noticed the burden her mother faced working a demanding job while doing all of the domestic work and she knew the reasons why. I can think of a few few things, but what are you talking about? Which ones are you talking about? Or Well, I know Papi didn't really help. So that was one. <laughs> that's a big one. Your father did not help me, and that's not news. <laughs> he just didn't, like not at all. Uh, towards, you know, at one point, the one thing that he did do that I can't take away from him is that he would take you guys to school. He worked at night. He worked second shift and I worked, obviously, normal um, business hours. And so he would take you guys to school and take you guys to camp. I, I don't know. I feel like we live in a society where just like how, you know, we talked about how I saw your role growing up and like what you did at home and what you did for work. I just thought that that's what you're supposed to do. I feel like we have multiple generations of people with very small, few exceptions, but we have uh, multiple generations of people who believe like, oh, like this is the woman's role. Like that's just what you do. And you're not supposed to complain about it. You're just supposed to do it. You don't get no pats on the back, no acknowledgement. And why are you complaining? Did you not want to have kids? It's what you're supposed to do. It's what comes with the job. It's really hard work. It's It's really, really hard work. It's a 24-7 job. And I feel like no one understands that except other mothers. Not only am I expected to take care of myself, keep it all together, have a job or make money or whatever, just live up, keep my head sane. But I also have to guide, teach, feed, clothe, bathe, entertain, another human being and then if you are partnered maintain a relationship with your partner and have friends and like you know like what and so just yesterday last night i said to you on the phone i said i need help i'm trying to manage all of this and i feel like i got hit with a ton of bricks i'm like what i don't know how to do it it's very very hard it is a full-time job it is not recognized and not appreciated nearly as much as it should be. No, it ain't. We'll be right back after a quick break. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. (laughs) 
Demeda, who found herself without a supportive partner for the years that she was raising kids and growing her career, may agree in part with Sheryl Sandberg's assertion that women's choice of a partner isn't itself an important career decision. But there are a lot of configurations a family can take outside of a two-parent household. Next, we'll hear from Demita again about how only once her children were grown and she lost the career that she had built her identity around, was she able to see that her marriage didn't serve her. My mom was a feminist to a fault, but although she, like, you know, raised me with her feminist ideals, there was still also all of the other old dodges of, you know, you were supposed to stay with your children's father, you know, just all of those things. And we weren't happy. And that's not to say that we were miserable for the entire 32 years. We weren't. There were great times. But yeah, I I, I think now looking back, like how many years I didn't do the things that I wanted to do. You've heard me talk about it so many times where I felt like I got dumped into a white room with, you know, white walls and a white floor and a white ceiling. Like everything that I knew had been taken away from me you know, my job, my, the amount of money that I had, like all of these things. And so I'm here in this white room, except there is one thing that's familiar in here and it's my marriage. And I remember you asked me, okay, so what about him? Whenever I would talk about you, like to close friends, I would always say like, yo, like my mom is the smartest woman I know. She is the coolest woman that I know. She's so wise, except when it comes to men. And I love my father. I love Poppy. But I was hyper aware of him not being a good husband, not being a good partner. I've been with your dad since I was 25 years old. And so my entire experience almost as an adult has been with your father. Um, You know, 25 is really young. Really, really, really young. to now move into this new space um, requires a letting go of all of that to build this new thing. Like, can't even really have pictures up on my wall because it's pictures of a life that I don't live anymore. And there's a level of fear in there, you know, about being alone and, you know, like, just what does that look like? And even though I was able to let go of all of the constraints of, you know, a job and lean into this and, you know, and reinvent myself, it was that one piece that was still really hard to reinvent. Research has shown that daughters of mothers who worked outside the home are more likely to grow up to advance in their careers and earn more than daughters whose mothers didn't work outside the home. The two mothers we're about to hear from, Ruth and Janelle, both admit that they enjoyed and valued their work and that they don't regret that it might have made them less of a presence at home. For them, when the balance of the work-life skills tipped more towards work, they had others to help pick up the slack. First, we'll hear from Ruth Messinger talking to her daughter Miriam about the expectations she felt as a woman who wanted to work and have a family. For those familiar with New York politics, you may remember Ruth from her political work, including being the Democratic nominee for mayor of New York in 1997. Although I work a lot with young women leaders of social change organizations, and one of the things that we do a lot of discussion of, probably because my daughters taught me this, is um, self-care, what's called work-life balance. But I would be the first to say I had no work-life balance. And I actually 
in many ways, I still don't, and I thrive on it. It does not mean it's a good model. It does not always mean it's right for children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren. But my notion is you can do it all. You can't do it all at exactly the same minute. When I was becoming a young adult, so college into adulthood, for women who had had a education toward professional work or toward graduate work, the clear message, I'm not saying everybody followed, I'm not saying everyone had this message, I'm not saying everyone followed, the, the clear message was, okay, now your job is to get out of college, do that next thing, graduate school or whatever, also get married, also have children, figure out how you're going to do it all at once, because otherwise you're going to somehow fall off the track, you'll fall off this track or you'll fall off that track. My husband was hugely flexible in, in my interest in trying to do all these things at once. He was less happy with my political career, but he was very, very supportive of the notion of lots of different ways to raise children, parent children, choose schools for children. And for a long time, when our kids were young, we lived in a house with other adults, which makes the whole issue very different. And it's actually something that, although I never would have predicted it in a million years, I've now recreated here because I'm help we're helping to raise our great-grandson <laughs> I think the modeling, particularly of women in my family, my grandmother, both my grandmothers had worked and raised kids. But I had these models of women either because they had to, to support their family, or because they were going to buck the trend. So my my own assumption was, of course, I'm going to have kids because I wanted kids and I'm going to work. Um, but there wasn't a particular formula or as rigid. I also grew up, you know, in this collective household. I saw single moms, I saw single dads, I saw single people with no kids. So I had a lot of models pretty close. But the women's lineage in my family was like, yeah, you work because you care about what you do and you raise kids because that's also an important thing. Janelle, who we heard from in the first episode, talks with her daughter Kylie about her feelings of giving up time with her family while working long hours. She is proud of her work and the life she was able to build for her family, but it came with trade-offs. I'm really grateful for my, you know, long career at Microsoft and as a consultant and all the things that I've done because they enabled us to have the life that we've had um, financially. But there was a cost. There was a cost. And even as much as I tried to counter for it all the time, well, and this sort of ties to what, you know, what you've said also about choices that you've made. I think one of the reasons that it was important to me that you understood how to be discerning about how you spend your energy is because I did not learn that until I was much older than you are. There were times when everything was challenging, you know, just all the way around, there's always a lot. And sometimes I would just, you know, pour myself into work because that was at least one thing that I knew how to be successful at. I could just work harder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just work harder, even if it meant that, you know, I didn't get enough sleep and that I was cranky and that I was failing in other areas of my life. And I, I don't really have regrets. I don't really think that way. But, you know, if I, if I could go back and change some things, I would have loved to have spent more time with you growing up. And even... Now, today, still, you and mom are going on vacations without me, um, you know, because I'm trying to build up this new business. I mean, do you wish that there was anything that was different in terms of where my attention was? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so because, like, I know what you're saying. I know what you mean. I know what you mean about the vacations and things like that. And I get that. And 
you watch all those shows and there's always that trope about like the family that goes on vacation and you know the one parent is like never there because they're working and I didn't see you fall into that category like I don't like when I look back on family vacations there's not like I don't know like you're there you know it's like we're all skiing in Sun Valley or we're all on San Juan Island or whatever and I think you did a good job at balancing and I think it's not necessarily about like I mean it's so cheesy to say but like the quantity of time versus the quality of time and I think that you know I am excited to see in the next year two years three years ten years like just that you're happy and not burnt out and not stressed out it'll be cool to see of all the issues surrounding women and work, choices around childcare and career are likely the most emotionally charged. And while some of these are deeply personal choices, like choosing a partner and when and if to have children, the overall issue at the heart of what makes those decisions so fraught is systematic. We should work to fix the sexist structures that make us ask questions like if women can have it all. We should work to transform the way we view unpaid labor and the roles of women as the default parent. But real change in the strength of the economy and the equality of our workplaces will come only with real investment on both a private and public sector level into things like paid leave and universal childcare so that the next generation of daughters doesn't have to deal with the same impossible bind as their mothers. Before we go, I want to leave you with the last word from Bianca, who we heard from in a previous episode about how her mindset has changed about what she wants for her children's futures. But then you realize, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be a wife. It could be a husband. And actually, wait a minute, you don't have to get married. You can find happiness wherever. It's just the way it is. On the next and final episode of Ambition Diaries, Does Ambition Even Matter Anymore? Our relationship to work post-COVID. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. For more Ambition Diaries, including individual photos, interviews, and audio clips from all seven mothers and daughters, visit fastcompany.com backslash ambition hyphen diaries. Ambition Diaries was produced by Joshua Christensen with editing by Nicholas Torres. Ambition Diary reporters are Laura Delch, Jordan Gaspor, Deborah John Lee, Jill Jordan Sider, Corinne Ruff, Lauren Vespoli, and Akila Wise. Special thanks to the Economic Hardship Reporting Project for their partnership on Ambition Diaries. <laughs>